Today we are going to discuss about Vedic society. Vedic literature is the only source of social history of that time. This shows that early Aryan social organization was essentially tribal based on kinship. Two terms, Jana and Vish, repeatedly occur in the Rig Veda. The Jana comprised several Vish. The former stood for the whole tribe and the latter for the clan. It is held that the Vish was divided into Gramas, but evidence for this is inadequate. The basic unit of Aryan tribal society was the patriarchal family called the Kula. The eldest male member of the family was known as Kulapa or protector of the family. In the hymns, desire is expressed for proja, including both boys and girls. But the people seem to have been keen on having brave sons or shuvira who could fight their wars. In spite of the patriarchal character of the family, the position of woman seems to have been better in some respects in the Rig Vedic period than in subsequent times. Girls normally married after puberty. Some of them may have grown up and stayed for a long as spinster in their parental homes, albeit in unusual circumstances. Such was the case with Ghosha, for example, who suffering from a skin disease and could get a husband only when the Ashwins befriended her. In some cases, a woman could freely mix with young men and have love affairs. She could take part in sacrifices with her husband. Some unmarried women like Vishwara and Afala, however, performed rituals all by themselves, though often with the purpose of finding husbands. Some women are also said to have been authors of Rig Vedic hymns. However, since the number of such passages is only a dozen or so out of more than a thousand, this fact itself should not be exaggerated to claim that women enjoyed a very high status in society. A childless widow could cohabit with her brother-in-law until the birth of a son. The practice was known as Niyoga. The institution of marriage seems to have been established, but we also have some evidence of incestuous relationship during the Rig Vedic period. The dialogue between Yoma and Yomi in the latter portion of the Rig Veda is indicative of brother-sister union. Attention has also been drawn to the examples of incest in the text those between father and daughter and mother and son. These instances may be treated as survival of a matrilineal society, but it is a highly controversial issue. Clearly then the mother right was not completely submerged by the father right in this period, but the overall patriarchal social ambience cannot be ignored. It is likely that the early Aryans had some consciousness of their distinctive physical appearance. They were generally fair and the indigenous people dark in complexion. 
The color of their skin may have been an important mark of their identity. This provided the context for the use of the term Varna. Scholars of racist persuasion have blown this out of proportion to explain the emergence of Varna or caste system. But the more important factor leading to the creation of social divisions was the conquest of the Dashas and the Dasyus who were assigned the status of slaves and Shudras. Tribal chiefs and priests who cornered a large share of booty acquired greater power and prestige at the cost of their common kinsmen, thus giving rise to social inequalities. The gift of slave to priests was made frequently. Most of them bring female slaves could however be employed only for domestic purpose and not for agricultural production or other productive activities. But all members of even the priestly class were not fortunate enough to receive lavish gifts. No wonder then that the Brahmana Vamadeva laments his grim poverty. Another indigent Brahmana humbly implores Agni to accept his sacrifice of worm-eaten firewood as he was no cow nor even an ex. We also hear of a Brahmana who prays for the return of his wife forcibly abducted by the king. In course of time the tribal society was divided into three groups warriors or Rajanya or Khatriya, priests or Brahmana and the common people. The fourth division called the Shudras appeared towards the end of the Rig Vedic period the term being derived from the name of one of the subjugated tribes. The fourfold social division into Brahmana, Khatriya, Vaishya and Shudra was given religious sanction. A late passage in the earlier Veda tells us that the Brahmana emanated from the mouth of the primeval man, the Khatriya from his arms, the Vaishyas from his thighs and the Shudras from his feet. This may be a post facto rationalization of the occupations of the various groups practiced and of the position that they came to occupy in the social hierarchy. But occupational differentiation did not always coincide with social divisions in the Rig Vedic period. We came across a family consisting of a poet's son, his father a physician, his mother a grinder of corn. Unequal distribution of spoils of war was certainly the basic reason for the emergence of the fourfold division of the society. But the phenomenon was also linked with the long process of acculturation between the local population and the Aryan migrants, of which there is considerable evidence. The Rig Vedic vocabulary contains nearly 4% words of the non-Aryan substrate language, which was in use in a major part of North India before the advent of the Aryans. Assimilation of non-Vedic elements 
is also borne out by the information available about some prominent individuals mentioned in the Rig Veda. In a passage of the Rig Veda, Vashishta, who replaced Vishwamitra as the chief priest of Sudas and who later came to be treated as the founder of a major Brahmanagotra, is said to have been born of the seed of the Vedic gods Mitra and Varuna. His mother is not mentioned, but in the one and the same account he is said to have been born of the mind of Urvashi, born also of a jar which received the combined semen of the two gods and discovered clad in the lightning in a pushkara or tank. Garbled versions of his birth may have been invented to gloss over his non-Vedic origin and to facilitate his adoption into the Rig Vedic fold. Another prominent sage and the founder of a Gotra, Agastya, who carried the Vedic religion to South India, who also born of a jar. Several seers like Kanva and Angiras are described in the Rig Veda as black, which may point to their non-Vedic antecedents. Like the non-Aryan priesthood, some conquered chiefs were also assimilated and given high status. Such Dasha chiefs as Balavuta and Taruksha are said to have made generous gifts to the priests. They thus earned unstinted praise and gained in status in the Aryan social order. The Rig Veda does not throw any light on the process of assimilation of the pre-Aryan or non-Aryan commoners into the Aryan fold. Perhaps most of the ordinary members of the aboriginal tribes were considered to be outside of the pale of Aryan life and were reduced to the lowest position in society. Social distance between the Aryans and the dark-skinned full-leafed, snub-nosed non-Aryans increased over time. Not surprisingly, they may have felt the need to retain the purity of their blood, little realizing that much non-Aryan blood was already flowing in their veins, just as some non-Aryan gods had worn their way into the Vedic pantheon through syncretism. Settled life led to a further crystallization of the fourfold division of society. Initially, one of the sixteen classes of priests, the Brahmanas, emerged as the most important and claimed social and ritual privileges on account of the ever-growing cult of sacrifice and ritual performed for the clients and patrons, mostly the Rajanyas or Khatriyas. The Khatriyas constituted the warrior class and came to be looked upon as protectors. The king was chosen among them. The Vaishyas devoted themselves to trade, agriculture and various crafts and were the tax-paying class. The Shudras were supposed to serve three higher Varnas and form the bulk of the laboring masses. 
most likely the community exercised some sort of general control over them. In this sense, they may be compared with the helots of Sparta. Shudras were not owned by members of the upper classes as slaves, the evidence for whose existence in the greater part of the Vedic period is lacking. A text speaks of 10,000 women slaves captured from various countries and given by Anga to his Brahmana priest, but there is no mention of man slaves. Obviously, their number was far too small to attract any notice. With the emergence of the caste system, certain social norms developed. Marriage between the members of the same Gotra was not permitted. This rule applied especially to Brahmanas who were by now divided into exogamous Gotra groups. Members of the higher Varnas could marry Shudra women but marriages between men of lower orders and women of upper Varna was discountenanced. This was due to the gradual strengthening of Varna distinction which began to appear in social life. A special position was claimed for Brahmanas and Khatriyas, distinguishing them from Vaishyas and Shudras, a tendency which became pronounced in latter centuries. All the rules restricting interdining between the higher and the lower orders had not yet evolved. The first signs of extreme form of social exclusion manifesting itself as untouchability in subsequent times began to appear in this period. Autochthonous people like Chandalas were objects of spite and abhorrence. The family became increasingly patriarchal. The birth of a son was more welcome than that of a daughter who often considered a source of misery. Prices could take several wives though polyandry was also prevalent. The origin of the late practice of sati or self-immolation by the widow at her husband's funeral pyre has sometimes been traced to this period. But this claim does not have much basis for we hear of remarriage of widows or niyoga. In contemporary text, woman is classed with dice and wine as one of the three chief evils. A good woman, the Aitareya Brahmana tells us, is one who does not talk back and this period woman ceased to participate in the deliberations of the tribal council called the Sabha. Yet the early marriage of girls had not yet become customary and here and there they attended lectures by gurus and learned the Vedas. Gargi is said to have attended a discussion with the sage Jagavalkya and even to have embraced him by her searching questions. Elaborate sacrificial rites undermined the importance of the Rig Vedic gods, some of whom faded into the background. The priests became the chief beneficiaries of the sacrifices and consequently gained in power. Cattle were slaughtered at sacrifices, often in large numbers. 
Animal bones with cut marks found in course of excavation at Atranjikera and other places as mostly of cattle. Public rituals therefore lead to the decimation of the cattle wealth whose importance for the developing agricultural economy can hardly be overestimated. The first reaction to Brahmanical dominance and the extremely ritualistic latter Vedic religion can be seen in the Upanishads which questioned the efficacy of animal sacrifice and gave primacy to asceticism as a means of achieving salvation, read new meanings in the sacrifice and propounded the doctrine of Ahimsa. The Upanishadic thought reflects a wider spirit of inquiry prevalent towards the end of the Vedic period and centers around the idea of soul or Atman and not sacrifice or Jogga. Creation is said to have grown out of the primeval desire of the world soul. In Upanishads, we find the first clear exposition of belief in the passage of soul from life to life. Souls were thought as being born to happiness or sorrow according to their conduct in the previous life. From this evolved the theory of karma or action which preached that the deeds of one life affected the next. This doctrine sought to provide an explanation of human suffering and became fundamental to most latter Indian thought. By the time of the Upanishads, asceticism had become fairly widespread. Ascetics lived either as solitary hermits or in small groups away from society. Living off its resources, they could not have created counterculture in a real sense as has been suggested by some scholars. Nevertheless, through self-training, the hermit acquired magical power formerly ascribed to sacrifices. Asceticism thus challenged the supremacy of the Vedic sacrifice or Yogno and of the Brahmanas who chiefly profited from it. The Brahmanas by way of compromise invented a formula by which the life of an individual was divided into four stages or ashramas. First, he was to be Brahmachari, leading to celebrate and austere life as a student of his teacher's house. Having learned the Vedas or a part of them, he was married and became a householder or Grihastha. When well advanced in age, he withdrew from worldly life to become an ascetic or vanaprastha. Finally, in the ultimate phase of his life, having freed his soul from material ties by meditation and self-torture, he became a wandering ascetic or shanyashin. In this artificial scheme, asceticism was recommended at the end of a man's life so that he could discharge his social responsibilities before taking to eat. The four ashramas were not meant for the shudras, nor was education allowed to the members of the lower varnas. 
education began with an investiture ceremony or upanayana literally leading forth of a boy for study under a teacher whereby a boy was initiated as a full member of the society it was confined to brahmanas khatriyas and vaishyas the shudras were not entitled to eat in vedic times girls were also sometimes initiated since the rite was thought of as accomplishing a second birth members of the three higher varnas were described by the epithet dvija or twice born though later many khatriyas and vaishyas ceased to perform the initiation ceremony theoretically education was open to all dvijas though the vedas tended to become an exclusive preserve of the brahmanas the student or brahmachari was trained at the home of a brahmana teacher for a number of years the vedas constituted of main object of study education was imparted orally and learning was by rote oral transmission of knowledge has been in fact an integral part of indian tradition a late rigvedic passage draws a lively comparison between the people's repeating lessons after the teacher and frogs gathering and croaking in the rainy season the student was required to memorize the scriptures syllable by syllable and the brahmanas developed a unique system of mnemonics but the vedic people do not seem to have used a script there is no clear reference to writing in the entire body of the vedic literature the earliest surviving specimens of a decipherable script are found in the inscriptions of ashoka in 3rd century bce written in brahmi which presupposes several centuries of development so this is the end of our today's discussion for any query feel free to mail us